So last night, I um, actually it wasn't last night, was it? I'm used to it being last night. Yesterday afternoon, habits. I was talking about habits, wasn't I? The habit of giving the Dharma talk in the evening. <laughs> so yesterday, I was um, speaking of, of the way experience is, is formed, you know, what makes up any, any experience that we may have. Uh, and particularly, we were looking at these aspects of there being an object, yeah. object of our attention, object in our awareness, and the way we're relating to that object. What we pay attention to and how we pay attention uh, to that. And just to kind of bring that back to our practice um, today. So... Many times when we're practicing, you know, we're doing our sitting or doing our walking, um, doing our formal practice. And a lot of what seems to happen is we notice when we're not with the object of our meditation. You know, so if we've chosen um, breath or body or metta as our practice, what we notice is when we're not with that, you know, what we can call distractions. Um, and often, you know, what is actually going on, if we kind of zoom out a little bit, look at the process of what our attention goes towards. Yeah. So the habits of attention would be either to go to something that's got more activity in it yeah, than the breath, yeah. less neutral, more eventful than the breath or the body or even the metta. Um, or our attention will go to something that is um, less pleasant. Yeah. So it might be unpleasant um, feeling in the body, um, you know, can be a restlessness in the mind, you know, anything that feels um, less pleasant, the, the, the mind will go there, the attention will go there. And then this tends to then escalate and spiral. Yeah. Escalate and spiral. So if I just use that example, you know, sitting here with the breath or with the metaphrases, um, and then I'm suddenly noticing, oh, actually, I'm, you know, thinking about what I, um, what I want to have for lunch. You know? that, that thought, again, you know, has come up. Um, and then what, uh, what I'll focus on is, um, you know, either I'll get kind of, woo, interesting, <laughs> and go off on that, and that will build up, yeah, and become more elaborate, more detailed, perhaps more energy will go into that. Or um, I'll notice, oh, distraction. And as I said yesterday, um, then I'll start perhaps to see the negativity of the distraction rather than the possibility of noticing the distraction. It's a really um, important distinction there. Um, and often when that happens, there'll be more of a buildup on top of that. So, oh, distracted again, you know, why can't I do this practice? I wish I wasn't distracted. I'm a bad meditator. I'll never get this. Everybody else is a great meditator. Mm. It's only me. Yeah. And there it goes. Can you see this process of the escalation, the build-up, yeah. the cycles that develop? And so it's really helpful to know this about ourselves. Because yeah? when we know it, first of all, I could see quite a few of you smiling as I was describing that process. You know, one thing that we notice, when we notice it, we can start seeing the, the humor in it. Yeah. 
it also becomes less personal, which is really important. Humor has this wonderful quality and um, awareness has this wonderful quality of making things a little bit less personal or a lot less personal. Yeah, and doing this with my hands opens out the space. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say more about this. Um, so one thing we can do when we notice distraction um, and we notice that pull towards something or that pushing away uh, from something is to, first of all, just remember, yeah, what's going on right now? Object and way of relating. <laughs> you know, that's what's going on. There's an object in this case, it's moved from the object of meditation to the being distracted. Yeah. And then there's a way I'm relating to, to that um, distraction, to that experience of being distracted. So there's something really, there's many really wonderful things about being human. Uh, and one of them is that we're incredibly simple. <laughs> and incredibly complex at the same time. Yeah. So here's the simple aspect. Uh, the way our mind, what our mind gets, uh, tends to get pulled towards um, is very common to all of us. Yeah. It's very common. So we don't need to make it up. You know, we don't need to find ways. Um, it's, it's just something that uh, we, many of us experience a lot of the time. So common ways we get pulled away from the object of our practice. Um, sometimes referred to in the tradition as, um, as hindrances or obstacles, not necessarily very useful language. Um, I find it interesting uh, in Israel, you know, we teach in Hebrew, and here uh, people refer to them as guests. And I just think, yeah, it's not an accurate translation of the Pali, but such a better way of relating to this. Yeah, Guests, they turn up at the doorway of our mind, okay? And so the common ways, and in the tradition, five of these are described. They have nuance. You may, you may feel like you've got more, you know, we all like a party, so more guests, why not? You know, let's just uh, acknowledge that. The important thing is to get to know them. So the five common, commonly described, common to human beings, to human consciousness, um, guests, um, and they come in two pairs and then one on their own. Okay. It's, it's helpful to remember them as pairs. Desire and aversion. Yeah. Desire and aversion. Two sides of one coin. Yeah. Desire and aversion. Uh, we can see that they are, and we've spoken about them already in this way, they're forms of demand. Yeah. So we've been speaking about equanimity as non-demanding. Yeah. Desire and aversion have a clear agenda and they're demanding something of our experience. We can um, put it into one sentence. They're demanding that our experience be different than it is. Yeah. So they're demanding. There's a demand there. I want that. I don't want this. Actually two sides of one coin. Uh, one coin. If there's a version, there's desire. Yeah. I don't want this because I want something else. If there's desire, I want this, it's because I don't want that. Yeah. So I don't want the experience in this moment, so I'm busy fantasizing about lunch. Yeah. My lunch time is a lot closer to yours. That's probably why I'm using that example so much this morning. Yeah. 
So forms of demand, desire and aversion. The other pair is restlessness and dullness. Yeah. So a lot of energy in the system, very little energy in the system. Yeah. Two sides of the same spectrum. Imbalance of energy. Too much energy, uh, too little energy. And uh, the, 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 the last one, which is, um, you know, I said it was a standalone, but I'm actually going to speak about it as a pairing. Uh, it's traditionally referred to as doubt, um, but very much manifests as doubt, as confusion. Yeah, lack of clarity. Yeah, so it can manifest as, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what to do with this experience right now. Or it can also uh, manifest as doubt in oneself or in the teachings. And I'm just kind of really lightly touching on them. I can't do this. I'm a bad meditator. That's all doubt. And as I said before, and just to repeat it, um, these arise, yeah, they, they come with a whole spectrum. So they mean, there's a lot of nuance in each of them. And they often come together more than once, more than one. Yeah. So there may be restlessness, and with the restlessness, there'll be aversion. Aversion comes up with almost all of them, most of the time. Not actually pleasant states for us to be caught in. So, um, so these come up, remembering there's a spectrum, there's nuance, there's different flavors to each of them. Um, and we come back, they are ways of relating to experience. So the Buddha spoke quite a lot about, about these, you know, because they come up in our practice on the cushion, they come up in our lives, come up in our lives. And he had a, a simile that I really love, really, really love, um, to describe how they affect the mind when they're present. Okay, so I'm just going to give, offer the simile if you, if you're a visual person, if you like images and poetry, then, then this might be up your alley. So desire when, um, well, actually I'll go back. So the Buddha in the simile, he um, likens the mind to a forest pool. Yeah. A small pool of water in the forest when it's left um, to, to itself, it's very, very clear. When desire is present, it's as if someone came by and threw a dye into the pool of water, yeah. which colors the water in a certain shade. Okay, so that's the, that's the image for desire. When aversion is present, it's as if the water of the pool is boiling. This is my favorite one. Yeah, the water in the pool is boiling, it's bubbling. Yeah. I can see some of you smiling again. You know, we kind of resonate with some of these images, they speak to us. You know, we think, what does it feel like when there's aversion? Yeah. What does it feel like when there's anger, which is a more extreme form of aversion? It really feels like the mind is boiling, <laughs> bubbling. 
when there is um, dullness, yeah, low energy, heavy energy, tiredness in the mind and the body. Actually, this affects mind and body, you know, one system. Um, it's as if um, the, the pool is overgrown with um, plants, you know, that are kind of growing on the surface of the water you know, and bringing stagnation, you know, suffocating the freshness of the water. When there's restlessness, agitate, sorry, when there's dullness and, um, and tiredness and low, low energy in the, in the mind. So that sense of stagnation, lack of movement, lack of um, freshness. When there is restlessness or anxiety, it's as if there's a strong wind blowing over the surface of the water and causing ripples and waves. Causing ripples and waves. And when there's doubt, it's as if someone put their hand in or took a stick and started stirring up the bottom of the pool so that the earth and the mud kind of um, disperse, yeah, the whole pool. And again, you know, the whole pool um, loses its clarity and its freshness. It's murky, difficult to see. So one of the reasons or the reason I love the simile because, you know, I like images, but I feel it gives us such a sense of what happens when these guests are present in the mind. They color our perception, yeah? Whatever we're seeing, we're seeing through that dye of desire or those uh, bubbles of aversion, or the stagnation of the dullness or the ripples of the restlessness or the murkiness of the doubt. Yeah, we see that becomes the way of seeing, that becomes the way of relating. They color the mind. And what we kind of are not in touch with then is the sense of clarity, of seeing, of freshness, of possibility. So they very much color perception, shape experience. And with all of that, you know, they become, it's like that's all we see. That's all we believe. It very easily becomes about me and my worth, my capacity. Color our perception. And so in that process, the mind will get hooked into that dynamic of the particular um, guest or guests that are present and give them even more weight and substance. And that usually results um, in some degree of struggle with our experience. If we think about, you know, noticing when these hindrances or guests are present, kind of both a struggling with experience or against experience um, and identification. This is really important. That's why I keep repeating it. This is about me. This is about who I am. This is who I am. Defines me. 
and we lose perspective, it really feels like this is the reality. Yeah. This is all there is, is this. What I'm seeing now through this yeah, lens, yeah, through this lens of the particular guest that is present. So that's the habit. Yeah, I spoke yesterday about, you know, there's the habitual conditioned ways we relate to things. And then there's the possibilities that Dharma teachings and practices open out for us. Um, so one possibility, when this is present, when these come up and they come up, <laughs> they come up yeah, again and again. The Buddha was really clear. It's not something that, you know, we're going to get rid of anytime soon. So can we change our um, intention here, our goal, instead of making it about getting rid of hindrances, getting rid of guests? Can we be more interested in widening our capacity to engage with them skillfully? Because that's actually what we're really interested in in practice. This is the freedom that's offered to us to learn ways to engage um, with a wider range of our human experience. Wider range of, our, of the human experience. So the first thing that supports us to do this is when we can acknowledge this is what's going on. Ah, it's restlessness right now or it's aversion or even just hindrances. You know, sometimes, like I said, they'll come together and we don't need to sit there and, you know, try really hard to decide, is it, you know, 30% of the restlessness and 5% desire, and then probably the rest is doubt, maybe with a hint of, you know. So we don't need to try and figure it all out. We just need to know and acknowledge hindrances are present, guests are present, they're arising. If it's helpful, name which one it is for yourself. Yeah, it can be really helpful sometimes when there's intensity. And then recognizing that alongside the appearance of this, yeah, that it's shaping my perception and that there will be some degree of struggle with it most of the time because it's unpleasant, because it's not what we set out to do. You know, we sat down on the cushion in order to have a peaceful, calm, luminous mind. Yeah. Just beautiful aspiration. Yeah. And when it doesn't, if that's not what it does, there can be a sense of struggle around that. So how can we relax that struggle? So here's a few ways. Okay, how can we relax that struggle? So emphasizing again, first step, recognition doesn't matter if it happened when the bell rang at the end of the sitting. Yeah. That's still a good time to realize, oh, there was a hindrance attack, you know, for most of that or whatever. We recognize, we acknowledge. And then we see if we can relax the identification. Remembering it's not just about me. This is a manifestation of human consciousness. It happens in all the minds. If you want, you can look at me and just know that I'm also experiencing that very likely right in that moment. 
yeah, or something similar. So remembering, yeah, this is the manifestation of human consciousness, it arises. So seeing what that does to the sense of space and possibility, if we remember that. And we may have to remind ourselves quite a few times before that starts to have some momentum. Remembering it's not the only thing that's going on. So even if it feels right now, I'm completely caught up, I'm completely lost in this, there's awareness of it. There's awareness of it. And that awareness of it isn't actually caught up in that aversion or desire or whatever it is that's, that's happening there. Remembering our intention for practice. Yeah. That can be a real support. Yeah. So here, this is going on, and yet somewhere in this body, heart, mind, there is that intention to practice in ways that nourish kindness and well-being. And we remember and rest into that. Seeing all of these as um, wholesome ways of relating, yeah? helpful ways of relating. So the acknowledgement, the recognition, the remembering it's not just me, it's not just about me, it's not just mine. Attuning to, um, to intention. Playing with a sense of space. Playing with a sense of space in and around experience. For example, um, what happens when we bring metta or gratitude or appreciation into the experience? Now, right in, into that aversive, to meet that aversion. What happens when we bring metta in an intention of metta? Or we open out the space in the body? or we appreciate something in our experience right now. What happens when we bring interest and kindness? How does that impact the experience? It's being interested in this, in this guest. What happens if we play with a balance of calm and energy? Yeah, this is helpful when there's restlessness or dullness. We play with the balance of calm and energy in the body and mind through the breath, through the metaphrases, or through the body space. So all of these support us to open out yeah, with the hindrance, with the guest, rather than narrowing down and getting submerged and sucked into, into it. So I'll stop here because I'd like us to practice together. Um, so let's, uh, let's have a practice period. Settle into our posture. Settling into the posture, finding 
a way of sitting right now which supports the body to be balanced and steady and still. Grounding awareness in the body through the contact, sensations, body and seat, and body and ground, with the breath. Tuning in to the sense of the body as a support. Take a few moments grounded in the body, feeling into the body. Take a few moments to open to any gratitude or appreciation that's available to us right now. If possible in our direct experience and if not in our lives in general. Very light touch. Nothing comes, that's okay. The opening to feel, what am I grateful for? What do I appreciate? See if we can rest into that gratitude or even if nothing in particular arises, rest and relax into that intention for gratitude. Notice what happens in the body, heart, mind experience as we do this.
And then with that thread of gratitude or appreciation, nourishing and continuing to support us, opening to the intention of metta. This intention of practice as an act of kindness we've been cultivating over the days. Just inviting that attitude, that intention of metta towards ourselves or towards someone for whom it's easy and natural to feel this goodwill, friendliness, kindness. Just take a few minutes to do that. You can use the phrases if that's helpful. Wish for happiness, for well-being, for safety. You can stay just with that intention of kindness. Whatever feels helpful. And then with the threads of metta and of gratitude, appreciation, continuing to support us, the ground on which our practice rests. Choose your meditation object for this time. You might decide to continue with the metta practice. Letting the meta flow towards yourself or the easy being. 
and then expanding over time. You might feel it's more appropriate right now to practice with the body or the breath. Just take a few moments to feel for yourself. What's the appropriate practice? and settle into that practice. If you notice distraction, the mind moving away from the object of your practice, just taking a moment to feel what is present right now. How is this way of relating impacting experience? Is there any aversion? Is there any demand present right now? Can 
can I bring interest to meet this experience? And can I utilize interest and kindness as a way of relaxing whatever struggle is arising? What happens when I open the space in the body? Open the space of awareness and allow this aversion or desire, restlessness or dullness, or the murkiness of doubt. Allow it to be there within the wide space of awareness. much as possible, inviting ourselves to relax the struggle, the pushing and the pulling. Remembering this is not the whole of experience. Can I open to interest, to kindness, to appreciation and gratitude? And I remember, this is not mine. And it doesn't say much about me. Manifestation of human consciousness. A way of relating that arises in the mind and can be attended to and engaged with, skillfully, kindly, and wisely. 